Where are all my friends? Joe DeSanto, round two, my dude. How are you? Good, man. How's it going, Andrew? How's it's Los actually, Angeles? It's my been old home. I know. It's it's been really good. It's funny. Weird to do a satellite episode. I've been able to do so many in person again, but you've been sitting down with people like in physical in a room together. I know. Talking never at each it. other. What a wild concept. <laughs> I think about how many podcasts were born out of necessity during the pandemic and how they're all just digital like this. And it's like, it's cool. But even you and I, like when we do get to hang in Florida, it's just like, it's a vibe, but super fun. So in getting to this episode, it's funny because I think about how to explain who you are and what you do. And it's like, are you like financial independence guru? Are you like, obviously a personal finance, but just finance in general. That's a thing Mm -hmm. that you have definitely mastered. However, Mm -hmm. you come from a career in Los Angeles that was entirely different. And this was like, it almost started as a hobby where you've just Mm -hmm. continued to grow and master, basically like retired and then like went all in on this. Like for anybody that missed your first episode, can you explain like who you are and what you do currently? Yeah, yeah. I guess I am like a financial independence guru. Uh, I like that. So what I do now, like I used to, as you said, I lived in when as also, as I said, I lived in Los Angeles. I owned production and post-production companies. They they are still there. They're still going. My former partners are still still rocking it, doing well. We had a kid. We wanted more family time and all that. And I was, I think I was burnt out for honestly, for sure too. So I was like, you know, we had done pretty good. And I was like, what if we like try to, I don't know, work less, you know, like we just get out of the businesses. Maybe we move somewhere cheaper. You know what I mean? Like we just figure out like, can we just work less and just like hang out more and not be stressed all the time. Because I, yeah. I was like, in terms of the dad stuff, like, I, you know, I really get into the work and I love my businesses, but I like take on a lot of stress and like, and I can't go home and like, just be like this fun guy all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, mm. I used to go to the bar and mm. de-stress with a bunch of cocktails. And then I was a really fun guy, you know, but yeah. you can't go do that with the kids. So uh, I was looking as... for something more mellow. And luckily, you know, we had done our, financial, personal finance, financial prudency, investing and everything. And it worked out pretty good. And we were like, you know, I think we could kind of like do what we call like a a downshift where maybe I just work part time Mm -hmm. and we have money from our investments and income and things like that. We decided to do, we pulled the trigger on it and we moved to Florida, which is totally random. We moved to the town you grew up in and like- us knowing each other is so damn random. Story of SEO. I feel like you found you dude, found my website. You know, dude, it's the it's so funny. Like I still every time we hang out, every time we talk, like I legitimately feel like I've made a friend. But it was yeah. for a listener that doesn't know, it was me trying to kind of up my uh, not even financial game, but like my learning how to do a business properly. Because that was the mm-hmm. thing of like I had always kind of practiced like personal finance and good practices, but then I got to the spot where I had to make an LLC, and I was like. I don't know how the fuck to do this. And it was, especially in California, it was so daunting and so much red tape. So I was just Googling and Googling and I found your blog play louder. And I was like, Oh, this dude like gets it. Like I could tell it was written by somebody who was well-educated, but also I guess like had a sense of humor or like had a, had a sense of like compassion for like the regular folk. 
and you broke it down mm-hmm. really well. And I was like, this is sick. And I straight sent you a cold email. I was just like, hey, man, I really liked this article that you wrote. I'd love to talk to you more. Also, I see you're in Dunedin. Is that proper? Because like Dunedin <laughs> is a very small town in Florida. Like nobody's there. <laughs> so and random. We have this moment where it's like, wait, yeah, I'm in Dunedin, which is like a street over from where I grew up. And then yep. I'm now in Hollywood, which is where you built your whole business and spent the whole your young adult life yeah. and put your so roots funny. so been really and cool now when you though. come home for christmas like yeah. you call me and we go have a beer <laughs> yeah it's fucking cool it's super cool and that's kind of why i wanted to do this episode is like you understand two sides of like typically what are very polarized or different minds of like you know the creatives you worked like your therapy right which would be a production mm-hmm. studio therapy studio yep which is rad. Like I've I've gone and met them. Like I've gone and seen it. It's beautiful. Yeah, they're real. It's, it's so, real. Oh, I mean, it's so legit too. It's like real Hollywood productions. It's not like, oh yeah, this guy like randomly did this thing. Like, no, you like did it. I've seen yeah. that. Thanks, you man. worked with those creatives. You you've been there. You built something that I truly admire and respect. But then you also have this side that like typically to some people would maybe be a little bit more boring and it's a lot more like bookkeeping, accounting, personal finance, logistics, like oftentimes what a lot of creatives hate. So I think your understanding and love for both is something that I really love. And it's why I kind of wanted to have you back because when you can share knowledge on both of those topics, I think it hits a little bit different than just like the random person the random personal finance guru it's like i can't relate to you at all like you're obnoxious so thank you i appreciate it yeah it's it is weird i was a photography major in college ironically but i always loved business and i always liked finance and investing like Mm -hmm. i found i found investing kind of exciting the personal finance thing, which is like financial prudence or whatever you call it, which is basically doing your bookkeeping. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. keeping track of your shit and like making sure you don't spend more than you make the basics. But that's not that exciting. But I just started doing it because I wasn't making much money and, and I was like going into debt and I was like, man, I got to keep track of this stuff. You know, yeah. I just felt out of control at that time, yeah. which is late college, you know, and I originally started, I read some books on it. I was like, oh. And people are like, you got to write it down, you know, write it down in a notebook. And then like, you know, I was like, okay. And I did that for a while, but I kept like at the end of the week, I'd have to like add it all up, you know, like with a calculator and I'm like balancing your books, like like old school checkbook. Like there's got to be a computerized way to do this. And there was, it was, it was called Quicken, but I started doing it and like, it just turned out it's something that I actually, I don't know, weirdly enjoy. It's like, you know, I like creativity. I think I'm a creative person. I, ultimately, I found like once I got to New York and then to LA, like while I enjoyed creativity, I was like pretty, pretty talented. You know, I was not as talented as I needed to be to compete at the level like mm. of, of other folks. Like, mm. you know, for me to like sit down and do a design and, you know, I can produce like a good idea, like a week, you know, and then I, then I see like dudes that can produce and women that can produce like great idea after great idea after great idea like day in and day out and you're just like this wellspring of like awesomes you know awesomeness yeah and I was like yeah 
I just don't think I, I don't think I've got it for to compete like as an artist. But I also was like, you know, noticing I was I was my business interests, you know, were, were coming into play and producing seemed like something I could do. And I'm like, I'm really good at with the finance, as it turns out, like yeah. I taught myself how to be good at finances using Quicken randomly, yeah. you know, and it, and it happened to be just something I liked because it's like calming for me. Like it's yeah. money, you know, it's everything's got a you know legit answer. Like, you know, yeah. it's wrong or right. Right. So it's kind of like nice. It's yeah, not it's nebulous. true. Like in a creative um, world, yeah, it's not nebulous. In a creative world, it's like you have black and white answers of like you have very specific numbers and it kind of becomes this basic math. And it is, I, I feel you. It's like strangely yeah. calming to like balance it yeah. out or to keep it's track It's like therapeutic or something for me. So it's weird. I feel like I'm lucky because not a lot of people obviously are going to say that. They're going to mostly yeah. find it annoying. That's that's by and large when, what I see is people just find it annoying. Yeah, I ended up like basically becoming more of the business person, producer type. And I realized that was really where, where I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be the business side of a creative business, you know, because yeah. it's like I could use my creativity and and it, that could be part of what I did. Yep. But I also could like master the the marketing, the branding, the money, you know, the relationship to clients, project management. I was really good at managing artists because I was a photography major and knew how to yeah. do After Effects and knew how to do Photoshop. Like I could speak their language. Yes. You know? Yes. And uh, that's that's the road I ended up going. You said something there that's really important though. Is like you can you said like for you it was very calming and and good, but for many it's boring or daunting and it's not it. But I think. The reason that, again, I'm happy to have you on is it is a lot less daunting when you break it down and understand fundamentals. And I think you've always done a very good job of that. So on this episode, like we already did your first episode, like we've told your mm -hmm. story and you shared that yep. so well. So I kind of wanted to come into this one. I had a couple topics that I wanted to like specifically tackle with you. The first sure. one is maybe why it can feel daunting and speaking from myself like early 30s and maybe as a proxy listener, it's like you're somewhere in your 20s or your 30s. You want to take it seriously. You want to learn. You want to grow. But there's so fucking much to keep up with. And it's also just a challenge in itself in a big city or anywhere to like pay rent and survive. So I mm -hmm. think about that person that's listening to this and it's like, cool, great. Like w must be nice to have rental properties and to have all these pillars of financial freedom and set up all this financial independence. But like, where do you start? I do think that people's first real investment should be a home. Wow. Um, that's just hard. It is hard in L.A., I realize, in places like New York or L.A. or whatever, because stuff is so expensive, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I've done the math on renting versus owning, you know, in the long run. And yeah. you just do so much better owning the, the place that you live in the long run. And honestly, yeah. even yeah. though getting into real estate in L.A. is, is such a tough thing, mm -hmm. like if you can do it, it usually pays off like ridiculously awesome, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the with long that run. higher difficulty yeah. and risk comes uh, a higher yeah. reward and yield. A higher reward, exactly. This That's really challenging. Though. But to have one or one to $5,000, you know, it could seem like, 
oh man, I am really far away. And yes. you know, probably yes, you are. You're mm-hmm. you're you're farish away, but you can get into properties like if it's your if you're a first time buyer, you can yep. get in as low as three per three three and a half percent down using FHA mortgages, which is basically like a government program right. that fosters home ownership for citizens and basically helps you to get into loans or get into a property with less down payment. So yeah. if you're going to buy, try to buy a condo, maybe for a half a million bucks. Well, um, let's be real. I, I was just looking at Zillow. I think the bar, I think the base level in LA right now of like modest, modest condo is 700. Yeah. Oof, yeah, man. 100%. It has got... J- in, I since saw, we left 2008, you, I thought COVID actually prices would come down, but it was just crazy. I mean, no. it just went bananas. Legitimately, dude, I was looking at Zillow last night, um, and this is a great conversation. I love this because I am of that mindset, and I have not been able to do that yet, so I can speak yeah. not only as a proxy listener, but myself, but... I saw a legitimately a lot of land, just a lot of dirt for 550000 The like one to two bedroom condo that looks like your first starter apartment in uh-huh. anywhere, like not even like a crazy nice area, but like in actual Los Angeles, 700 is a deal of a lifetime, probably closer okay. to eight. So then what so is that? That, that is tough. I mean, it just makes it hard. But if you think like, let's say three and a half percent of that is $25,000. Yep. So it's not totally unachievable. You know what I yeah. mean? You could also, you know, first time you're buying is maybe buy with a friend. I know it, it, mm. that comes with its own issues, but it's like you're, it's not uncommon to share a rental, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with a friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you can sort of maybe get out of that a little bit easier, but um, if you have enough of a trusted friend or, you know, whomever you could go in and split a two bedroom like that might yeah. be a way. And then eventually you maybe you move out and you rent half it, whatever, you know, your goals, I think, get into a starter thing and mm-hmm. then build your real estate by mm-hmm. renting that out and then moving on and buying something else. That's that's what I did. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. tough for me to get my I bought my first place in L.A. It was four hundred and sixty thousand oh. dollars and I got in for five percent down okay. and um, and I just managed to make it happen. But I focused all my savings towards that. When you're saving for the house, you want the money to be there, you know, mm-hmm. when the time comes. And if you take that savings and invest it in the market, it might not be there like right when you need it. You know, you might end up having more, frankly, uh, mm-hmm. if you get lucky when you need it and you make a profit. But the market is very volatile. That mm-hmm. said, The market is down significantly right now. Like this is a good time, honestly, to take the bet. If you're like, I want to buy a house. I've got five grand. I'm not ready. What should I do with the five grand? This is a good time to make a bet that if you put that money in the market, it would actually be worth more in two years. Not that I'm a licensed financial advisor. I'm not even a CPR lawyer, but, you know, I, I would... I would invest some your money now if you have it in cash, probably mm-hmm. in the market. So you gave me a, a wild card answer that I actually love, and I'm glad you said it, because to me, the idea of living in a city like this and being able to buy a house is just like absolutely foreign. So just you saying 
there are programs available where you can put three and a half percent down and breaking that down, taking $700,000 and being like, yeah, $25,000. Like all of a sudden a number that sounds absolutely absurd of like, I can't buy a, you know, you would kind of think about like buying that cash and you're like, never. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that and it's like, okay, like the person that has one to $5,000 set aside, like that's still too far away. But yeah. when you actually think of it, it's like, okay, well, no, but that's maybe a little more attainable than you think. And that's encouraging advice. I like that. And then if you're like, all right, a one bedroom, 700, maybe a two bedrooms, nine, but I can go in at partners with someone on that. Now I'm in for 450 times mm -hmm. 3%. I only need 15 grand potentially. Right, right. Yeah. So um, I love so just you saying that and like looking at real estate in a little bit more of an open-minded creative way is cool to me because I think yeah. we could both agree that most every successful person, or or I guess you could say people that have accomplished financial independence probably have some amount of their portfolio in real estate. Yes. So getting 100%. started early seems like a good thing. Before you think it's possible, mm -hmm. you have to commit it to it in your mind, you know? Yeah. And if it takes two or three years, mm -hmm. that's okay. But like, you have to be planning, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to be yeah. like, I'm laser focused on buying property. I know it's good for me. I know it's what I need to do. Yeah. So I'm going to like focus my savings plan towards that. You know, that's, that's really, that's beautiful. what I'm doing. You know? I like that a lot. And I'm glad you shared that because like, like, again, like legit for me, it's a crazy reminder of like, oh no, like maybe that is a little closer than you think. And then all of a sudden every month, instead of paying your rent and not having any, like you, you there's nothing at the end of that. Whereas a house you're giving yourself shelter and you're kind of leaning into an investment. So that's cool. I remember a friend, uh, a friend's dad gave me, like he just like basically told me, I think at the time it was early 2010s. And I think he said to expect 7% return. And he's like, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but like throw a thousand dollars into that and like kind of just watch it. And you know, you watch it turn to like 1100 and you're like, oh my God. And it's not life-changing. But the thing that I hear a lot of people talk about, which is cool, is like with an IRA, like a Roth IRA or something like that. Like at, I think at 25 years old, if you were to put five into it for five years, that's like 25 grand. And then if you were to let that compound by the time you could pull it out at like 65, compound interest at that rate projects you out to be more than a millionaire. And that's another, mm -hmm. like one of those like encouraging ones to me in both of those examples, it's pretty cool to realize that just by being young and getting over that little first hump, that money ends up being crazy leverage years later. And that's pretty exciting. That When that concept clicked for me, that like what I considered that like wealthy, successful people would consider peanuts, it was like, oh no, like just getting over that hump and that little bit to get started is monumental, especially using young age as leverage. Yeah, youth cool is honestly the, your greatest asset in yeah. building wealth and, you know, what eventually be either your financial freedom, you know, uh, nest egg or retirement nest egg. I mean, you cannot get that time back. That compounding time is like yeah. really, really important. But, you know, I admit when you're young, you're also making the least amount of money. You know what I mean? You're trying to Sucks. get your footing. So it is like, it is a hard time. It's like, it's, it's just, it's difficult. You know, yeah. I admit that, you know, it's, well, I would say people need to treat their personal financial life like a business. What I mean by that is, you know, on, on the basic level, it's like, you got to do your bookkeeping for your business. You got to know if your business is making money, but you also, you, when you, when you have a business, you have a plan to make money. Right. Mm -hmm. And you model that out. You put that on paper and you try to live up to that plan. And then you adjust for that plan along the way. And, 
you need to do that in your life as well. Like you, you can't just take what comes to you in terms of your job and your, and the money you make and all that sort of stuff. You have to take the bull by the horns and you have to look at like, all right, for the things I like to do, where can I make the most money? What kind of place should I be at? Where should I be looking to get a job at? Like, should I work freelance? Should I not? Can I make more money that way? Like if I decide to do a freelance thing, maybe I could actually make more money because I'll save a lot in taxes because I'll be mm -hmm. a business. Mm -hmm. um, you really need to like take your life and your future seriously and go yeah. on serious offense when you're young. Yeah. As you get older, I feel like defense starts to get a little bit more important. But when you're young, it's like offense, offense, offense. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the best defense well, is a good offense. So it's like you have to be strategic about like, how am I going to get my income up there? Am I going to do lateral moves? Mm -hmm. I have to go ask for raises every year. I have to get in people's face. But I mm -hmm. also can't be that person that goes and asks for a raise just because I've been there another year, but really my performance was like mediocre. Yeah. You have to make yourself so damn valuable at the yeah. place that you work that the prospect of, of them losing you frightens the ownership so much that they yeah. will give you a 20% raise right. to keep you around. Like cool. you have to be mega aggressive about mm -hmm. making money. You know, the yeah. truth be told, it just, it does not make itself... It will never just come because you're older. It won't mm. just show up because you've stayed at the place long enough. Like, mm. you know, um, so that's the biggest solution to like getting into that house. That's the, you know, that, that, that solves a lot of money problems is just making more money. You know, life shouldn't be all about making money, but, uh, it is a requirement. You know what I mean? Well, I always <laughs> come back to, I always say it's like happiness or it's survival than happiness. So it's like mm -hmm. first figure out survival. Like before you talk about any of this, like you got to survive, like you got to just have a roof over your head. You got to eat, you got to take care of yourself, your basic needs. But then yeah. past that, the more you can succeed, the more happiness that can afford. So it's like, that's where you start to think about taking it seriously is like, you can shorten the amount of time that you have to work for somebody else and you can set up a much happier life or give yourself much more freedom to do the things that make you happy if you take that seriously. And then you start to value that more and you start like, think about how valuable your time is. And it's like, oh shit, maybe I should pay attention. Now, more than ever, like it all does feel so daunting. And every time you and I talk on an episode or just in person, it's like to cover the whole topic, to cover all of it in an hour, hour, 30 minutes or any amount of time. It's like, it's impossible. Like there's just so there's much, but mm -hmm. the thing that I find encouraging is like now more than ever, you can have a very basic, simple question and then you can just search it and you can start reading like little bits. Like there are so many rad resources available for you to gather your own information on the topic and like kind of sift out like the BS that you don't agree with and find like, you know, for me, I happen to align with a lot of the things that you wrote about on the blog. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'll just talk to you more and read more. And you know, like, are you and I going to align 100% on everything? No, probably not. But like, we can learn a lot from each other. So I think that that's also really cool of when it stops being this whole daunting thing. And it can just be like where your curiosity is peaked, read a little bit more, I think is so valuable. And the more I can encourage anybody to do that early, the more I'm just like, yo, like, 
you'll be good. And I can't speak of like, I'm, I'm not there yet. Like I'm purely, yeah. I am a student of all of this, you know? Well, you have, you have to get educated before you can make the right moves, you know, I mean, to advance yourself, you have yeah. to know what you're doing. Um, yeah. I'll shameless plug. I mean, you, you can get a lot of that information from my website, playlouder.com. I mean, that's, that's what well, I kind of write about there. And that's how yeah. you found me. It's funny. Like I think about that and I think about like, you now you're at a different spot in your life. You had the first career, you made your money, you did your thing you retired. Awesome. Clearly you were passionate about this. Like you didn't have to go and do the website, but it was something that you were passionate about. And now here you are at this different phase in your life where it was almost about to be retirement. And then you kind of found this thing where you like, you just care enough about this where you made play louder. And that's like not an a simple undertaking. Like the amount of content that you put out, you're here doing this podcast on a weekend, like you put time and effort into it. Yeah. But another thing that I find encouraging for when you master your craft is now you like made a whole course out of it. Like you started and like there's tons that you can learn just free on the blog, but then you took it a step further and you like made courses, which I always, I love digital assets. I love things where people can make money by making something once and then it just exists. Yeah. So yeah. you made your own email box asset. money. In the biz, you know, we call it, we call it mailbox, with mailbox money, you know, like, cause my wife actually did some VO along the way too. Mm. And she'd do a VO gig. And if it was union, man, we'd get checks for like a year. They'd That's just crazy. show up in the mailbox, you That's know? Crazy. And we'd be like, like every now and then we'd like get the mail. We'd be like mailbox money. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a feeling. Uh, and if you're in music, you get that check and it's yeah. 39 cents. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, yeah. like the powers that be have been working towards getting rid of mailbox money for, yeah. for many years yeah. now. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I want, I think I want to try to get email box money where like, yes. I just keep getting an email dings. Like you sold that, you sold that, you sold that. Yeah. I switched to like what I call like a semi-retirement where I knew I was going to work, but my goal is to work part-time. And then we had some income from investments and all that. And it's funny. I was like, it happened naturally, but this this fun, you know, this thing that was always a hobby that ended up serving me well in, in actual business and all that ends up being the thing that is the part-time work. People just started asking me, like, it started with my own business and then friends' businesses. Like, hey, man, we... Like we need someone to help us manage money. We can't afford a full-time person because, you know, if one of the partners was not a business person, which is often the case, you know, there's no one like mining the till. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, you know, will you do that for us? And we'll just like pay you like a monthly thing. And that that's kind of started my part-time work. But these folks, you know, their businesses, they can afford to pay me a certain amount of money every month, to, you know, have me on retainer and do this work and advise them and give them analysis. But the average person is not going to be able to do that, you know, but they need this knowledge. So I was like, I got to package up, you know, I'm giving pretty much you could get all the information if you read everything on my website. But I'm like, I'm going to package up like the right, most distilled info in a good order. Mm -hmm. Obviously, each of my courses has me on video and showing you things. And I actually mm. give I give some spreadsheets that I made that I use for myself and my own planning, you know, much like you were talking about earlier about compounding and like doing a calculator and saying, oh man, if I had like 5,000 today and it grew like this, wow, I'd have a lot of money. That's kind of yeah. So yeah. I have some more advanced type of like spreadsheets in my little course that show you like, okay, 
I need to save this much of my income, but if my what if my income grows like 5% a year? What if like that's one of my goals and and I keep saving the same percentage and then I get into investing and I know I'm maybe I'm going to make the 7%, but if what if I can make 10%? Like how mm. much does that advance my cause? God, I wouldn't need to save nearly as much, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. how can I get 15%? And then you're yeah. like, "All right, now I'm going to do some research on like what are ways to get 15%?" You know, and there are like There is no guarantees in investing, obviously, but I find that real estate, and part of the reason I say to people, I think their house should be their first investment, Mm. is I think real estate provides a superior return for less risk than the stock market. So that's why I say to people, like, your first investment really should be your home. And a lot of times, like, just someone's home ends up being their whole nest egg 30 years from now. You know what I mean? Like. And they're like, thank God I bought the house because I didn't end up actually saving that much cash after I put the kids through college and all that. But Mm. that house, you know, Mm. ends up being the linchpin of like how they can retire. But it's 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 a real estate investment like any other and real estate performs well. And I think, you know, relative to the stock market is far less volatile. Uh, in the long run. So there are also other ways to do real estate, like real estate syndications, you know, and often you can find returns there between, you know, 10 and 20%. Um, Mm. Again, no guarantees, everything comes with risk, but the stock market is very risky too. You know what I mean? Um, When you say real estate syndication, are you talking about like a collective fund? So like if there was a property for $10 $10 million, like some commercial property or something like that, people can put a smaller amount in and do like a group investment. Yeah. Basically yeah. a syndicator is like manages a, a real estate investment and they collect funds from investors to mm-hmm. finance the investment. Mm-hmm. The thing about real estate syndication is at least historically, oftentimes you have to be what's called a accredited investor to, yeah. to, to invest in real estate syndications, which means you have to have a fairly high net worth. However, things like Fundrise and, you know, crowdfunding sites have broken that barrier down and you can get into a real estate syndication through like Fundrise or CrowdStreet or whatever and only put five grand in, you know? Have you tried Fundrise? Um, As soon as you were saying that, I was thinking of them and I've never personally tried it, but it looked really interesting. I think it's really cool. I haven't done it because I'm in some syndications, but I just Mm. went into the syndications with the syndicator directly. So no, I haven't personally done Fundrise, but I know a lot of people have. And and, I mean, it was quite democratizing. It really brought a lot of different types of investments to the table for you. Because the truth of the matter is the S&P 500 is kind of like the benchmark of it for in, investing yes. in investment advisors, right? So you, everyone's probably heard like, oh, you know, over the last hundred years, the S&P 500 has like an average annual return of 10% when you mm-hmm. reinvest dividends. And that's basically true, right? So when you go talk to a financial advisor, you know, and you would say you sit down and be like, hey, I'm going to give you my money. Like, how much return can I expect? And yeah. they're like, well, on the high side, you know, like the S&P would give you like 10 percent in the long run. If if you solely invested in that mm-hmm. historically, we don't advise doing exactly that. You know, we like a mix usually, of, you know, stocks and bonds. So our target is like six to 10%. And if they get 7%, you know, they're they're feeling pretty good about themselves or pat themselves on the back. When you do the math, when you do in those calculators, right? You put 7% in versus, or, or you put 15% in versus 7%, your money compounds 
to a four times greater amount with the 15% in the same time frame. Like getting uh, more return yeah. really makes you get a lot <laughs> right. more money. When you start, yeah, you uh, start so to you're think like, about compounding returns and you're like, oh yeah. fuck, every single one of those percentages, like every, every time point, I pump it up like, one sure. point, like yeah. I end up with way more money after 30 Crazy. years. You're like, so then you're like, I never I had to figure out how to get 20%, you know, yeah. the real estate, my real estate over the years, and I've, I've owned about 16 properties in total. Not, yeah. I don't own them all now, but over time, I did a calculation, which was like the, my best, like average calculation, but also adjusted for like the time I was in each property and like the initial investment I made, you know, like I tried mm -hmm. to like get this fairest average I could. Mm -hmm. And it was like 40% compound annual growth Damn. for real estate, you know? And, and I'm not saying like I'm a genius, like I was a no. beneficiary of a real estate bull market. And I also owned two houses in Los Angeles, which did well yeah. and two commercial buildings, you know, which no. did really well. I, dude, honestly, thank you for sharing that. Because again, it's like, <clears throat> I hear that and maybe some listeners are like, dude, must be nice. Like that feels so far away, but I love having this like open-minded, hearing other people's stories, all that, because it's like, that's really wild to hear that. Like, that's pretty crazy when you're like, yeah, I did the math and it ended up being 40%. Like, that's enough of a number where I'm like, well, shoot, maybe I ought to start doing my homework a little earlier and take that more seriously. That's and I think that's what, coming from you. I evangelize this very, to people like, yeah. I know it's work. You know, but I always say it's your future. It's mm -hmm. not anybody mm -hmm. else's future. Like it's yeah. your future. Like, so doing the work is like really valuable for you. But, you know, I, I also hate going to the gym. So it's like, I get it. Yeah. Um, but well, like in my like... course that I made, like I talk about, I, you know, it, it's where I kind of talk about and show if you can make this percentage, you know, you'll do so much better. That's why you need to actually take the time and educate yourself on investing. And obviously I talk about that and I give all the basic breakdowns of the kinds of investments you can do generally as an individual and talk about, you know, the difference you can expect in return. And once you kind of like start thinking about it, I like to think that once people get their head in it, you know, they, they start to get intrigued and then they do a little bit of calculator math and they're like, wow, 7% <laughs> and 15%. The difference is just, <laughs> it's just off the charts, man. Yeah. I need 15%, yeah. you know, you know, you don't need a bunch of money in the bank to get motivated and learn, you know mm. I mean? You like, this is the, you know, you're just because you don't have money in the bank now, doesn't really matter. It's like, you, you got to get educated and then you got to know what you're going to do with your money once you get it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, once you, you keep focusing on offense and improving your savings and all that, and you're like, all right, before you know, you're like, all right, I got 10 grand, I got 20 grand. All right. Now what am I going to do with it? Like what, what kind of, I need, I need a good return. Like I did all yeah. this research. All right. I'm going to give it a go. And I always say to people, dude, it's when you have nothing and you, all you have is a fucking bank account uh, and a car payment, and a student loan, like tracking your finances is so easy. Like it literally takes you like 10 minutes, you know, yeah, yeah. but, it, but it's a good time to get that habit going mm -hmm. because you're like, all right, you know, it's easy. All right. And then you're like, then you add like, you know, this, you buy a house, put that in there and you're like, oh, I see how it works. I see how the amortization works. And I see how every time I make my payment, I actually am saving money while I'm making my housing payment. I get that now, you know, yeah. before you know it, like my Quicken was just like, had all this real estate. It was like this crazy yeah. thing. And you get your brokerage accounts and I got my crypto in there. And it's just like, I've been using the same Quicken file 
for 20, like four years. I could tell you what I spent on laundry in 1999. If you want getting that early start. And like, when you, when you build that foundation, it really is that valuable because it's like, you've got time on me. So it's like, it's almost like if, if I were to ask you, like, if you could go back in time and do one thing or like, what's your message? Like, that's what you're doing right now. And I, I find that very admirable. Another thing that I kind of like, you sparked this thought in my head that it's kind of sick to think about, but it's like now here you are retired in this game, play louder. Now you've figured I like out to say the semi-retired to be, all right. You know, all just, right. Just well, I mean, yeah, like you stay I working. do work part-time, you know? Yeah. You stay working. I think that people now in this generation have an advantage that maybe they don't even realize is like your joke of email box money. It doesn't have to just be a course. I think in order to do the course thing, you kind of got to like master the thing first. I can always kind of yeah. smell the the BS when it's like somebody makes a course and I'm like, bro, you're 21. Like, what do you, what is this? Um, <laughs> but um, it's a course that- on using the course platform. Yeah, yeah, right? on how to make a course. Basically. I mean, hey, don't get me wrong though. There yeah. are a couple 21-year-olds that have mastered yeah. some yeah. things where I would yeah. love to know, but I think that there's other ways of having email box money or digital assets like every artist I talk to. It's like your songs, your music, like getting that monthly check off of a DistroKid platform or something like that is so so cool you know like content creators people that have made any type of money off of youtube or having your own intellectual property online that you get paid for even writing a blog like i guess that it's a little bit different it's not as lucrative as it once was but like all these things i think is another cool thing and i'm curious here's a hot take or a thought that i'm genuinely curious of what of what your thought is so say you do aspire to be like, all right, fuck it. Like I'm going to buy a house early, but I got to get there. That early foundation, that one to 5k, whatever, this is a thought that I have. And I, I talk about this a little bit, but investing in yourself, I think can sometimes be immensely valuable because if you put in, if you need one to $5,000 of gear to start recording your music, or if you need that to start selling some merchandise for a project that already has legs, that might get you a return that's much better than a conservative S&P investment and it's like, if you can't get the house out the rip, I think that sometimes people sleep on just how valuable that initial investment in yourself is, especially if there's a clear path to a digital asset or something is making yourself a product or a service. What do you think about that? I a hundred percent agree. I mean, mm. I am I, part of one of the things I talk about on my website, one of my pillars to success is entrepreneurship. It also kind of goes back to being on offense, you know, uh, especially when you're young in terms of making money. So I think owning a business, being entrepreneurial is really key to, mm. to being pretty successful. And you can do that in a regular job too. You know, if you have a plan that you, you know, and you're not half-assed about it, you know what I mean? Like you think to yourself, okay, I see the path to this making money. I put some pen to paper. Mm -hmm. I know how much I'm going to charge for it. I know how I'm going to market it. I I like literally have done the homework and I feel confident about it. Then yes, I would take money and I would invest it in yourself and Mm -hmm. start a business. And that's what you're doing. You know, whether it be, it might be a small scale, uh, you're starting a business. I discourage you if you're just going to be like, 
oh yeah, I got this plan. I'm going to sell my music. So that's a good excuse for me to not save for the house. And I'm going to go buy a $2,000 <laughs> guitar and like whatever, <laughs> but you've done no homework whatsoever on there's how challenging it might be. Yeah, you know, there is yeah. a difference. And that's, Again, going back to like treating your your life as a business, your business is your life when you own a business. Like it's all kind of mm -hmm. one thing. You're like yeah. you do a business because you want to improve your life and like do your passion, right? So it's right. all connected. And if you're going to like take your small savings and invest it, you know, in yourself to do a business, do the homework first, you know, yeah. do that spreadsheet, like take the weekend, you know, yeah. that's all yeah. it takes and be like, okay. Right. This is exactly how I'm going to do it. I've yeah. mapped it out step by step. I've talked to people that have done it. I know what kind of marketing I have to do. I know this, that, or the other. And, you know, you have a, a plan to like stay focused. You keep yourself accountable. I'm going to produce this much content on a regular basis. So like yeah. I don't fall behind, like you really take it seriously. Yeah. Then yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's sick. Cause I, I think about that and it's like, if you were to be like an illustrator or something like that, right? Like you draw and you build a following and you you master like promoting yourself on social, right? You fight, you do the right hashtags on IG, you get in the right algorithm for TikTok and you kind of get a following. People it's like, oh yeah, I know them. There's this great illustrator. Well, it's mm -hmm. like then if you have a thousand bucks set aside it's like an Etsy store. So then you start like an Etsy store and you just need the money for those initial prints. But it's like that thousand dollars, like, I don't know, like prints, like even at 10 bucks, right? That gets you a hundred prints. You sell those for like 50 bucks. Like that's 5,000 bucks, right? Did I just do that math? Right? Yep. I think I did. Sounds about so right. Yeah. All of a sudden, like that's a way better investment, like turning a thousand dollars into five thousand dollars off of your own art and prints and like giving something, giving art to the world, all of a sudden feels a whole lot more meaningful than like, oh, hope I win S and P five hundred. Like, yeah, that to me is like maybe that's an encouraging way to start thinking about like the base to then be like, oh shit, all right, cool, I've I've made my tiny little nest egg. Now that thing can get me a house or it can get me like more, right. like deeper. And I mean, I doing that math, I think is just really important because you might find too that you're like, you know, you do a little napkin math and you're like, oh, that could be great. And then you're like, wow, but I got to figure out how to sell the hundred prints and I got to yeah. like house them. I got to whatever, you know what right, I mean? I got to right. ship them. I got to, you maybe really it work it out and you're actually. like, maybe it doesn't, maybe, maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe digital yeah. prints is better and doing an Fuck, NFT right. collection yeah, would yeah. be the better way to go. Actually, I would say a hundred percent, you know, if you have a social following mm -hmm. and you're an artist, you should be doing NFTs like mm. hands down, like no question about it. Like get, mm. get going. They're in the toilet right now, but like it will all be coming back, you know, mm. every artist, I think, frankly, I mean, musical artists should be working on an NFT collection, in my opinion. The art is the thing you're buying and selling. Now, to me, it, it is like I'd rather have art that's on my wall. Right. And mm -hmm. it's kind of funny. One of my clients, um, they do they have a big social media following and, and they they have a, a really pretty good known brand and done a lot of apparel sales. They're doing their NFT collection, actually. And they, they already did one not under their their normal brand, just like a starter one to, to, to like get their feet wet and like figure it out. And they gave me one, you know, and I'm just like and people were buying them and they actually did really well with this trippy. It's called Trippy Toads um, mm. collection. And he gave me one. He's like, oh, I'm going to send." I'm like, I'm going to buy one. And he's like, oh, I don't buy one. I'll send I'll send you one. And he just put it in my my MetaMask wallet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, it's great, you know, but like it's just <laughs> in my MetaMask wallet. Mm -hmm. Like so what I did is I 
I had it printed out and framed. I have no it way. on my wall. And I'll send you actually. You can put it in the show notes. And I said to the, my the dude, and I was like, I guess I'm old fashioned, but like I think it looks way better on my wall than it does sitting in my like you know invisible fucking metamask oh, no. wallet. Yeah. So. I think where you're going to see a lot of that play out and is in the metaverse. Like as we really more move more towards, and it's, it's sad, but I think it's really a truth. The truth, and it's coming. You're going to have your metaverse house, and you're going to hang your NFT JPEGs in your mm. metaverse house, uh, mm. and that's where a lot of this stuff is going to be. And like you know, NFTs and gaming are probably the two industries you know using cryptocurrency tech, a blockchain technology that actually make money already. Mm. They, they, they're profitable businesses for the people who make them. And they really go hand in hand. And it's like, you're going to be able to buy your, your, your metaverse house, your, you know, your digital house in your weird metaverse neighborhood. And you're going to actually pay money for it using cryptocurrency. And your ownership of it is going to be recorded on the blockchain. I don't know. I have a really dystopian version of the future, sadly. Yeah. Um, Mainly because one of the one of the films we produced was a was a few, uh, a documentary about this futurist Ray Kurzweil. Actually, all your musician friends should know Kurzweil keyboards. Um, are you familiar with Kurzweil keyboards? No, I'm a phony. It's kind of it's definitely like a musician's you know uh-huh. brand of instrument. The guy who invented that, like Ray Kurzweil, he was he's like a futurist and he's written a bunch of books on how. You know, we're going to eventually transcend our biology and live as long as we want. And so we did this whole documentary about this topic. It was called Transcendent Man. Um, you can you can go get it on Vimeo or wherever else, other, any platform, if you want to watch it. It's really good, actually. But we made it 10 years ago. It got me, like, in tune mm. to, like, what the future might be. And it's, like, right. not not really my thing, but... Uh, but you've come you to know, accept it. <laughs> yeah, Ray thinks we're all essentially going to live on the web. You know, we're going to we're going to shed our biological bodies and essentially all live, you know, in the metaverse eventually. You know, and my feeling is what and if you think about like how expensive housing is and in like sometimes when you look, I look at statistics about like, you know, income growth over the years, it, it can be kind of negative. And I'm thinking What's going to end up happening is, is like, we're all going to basically like just have body pods. So Dude. like our apartment is going to be just a small Dude. box and you sit in your body pod and then you go live your life basically in the matrix or what we call the metaverse now. And your JPEG, your NFT JPEG is going to be on the wall and your NFT song is going to be playing on your stereo and you're going to be sitting in your NFT, you know, crypt blockchain purchased real estate. And that's going to be life. Have you seen Ready Player One? No, I haven't. Yet. Oh, is that... I, like just go watch it. But do I have to watch it? Yeah, it's it, I, they that happens a little bit like you can there's there's very strong elements of them illustrating that it's so it's so funny too because like i'm the young one here and i'm like i don't know about this joe i'm not ready like you're like (laughs) get ready for the future fucker frightening man but what also is going to happen i'm going way off topic here is but we are getting replaced with automation i don't know if you know you've picked up 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 on that at all like literally Mm. we had a my my kid's seven year seventh birthday party at the bowling alley and a robot brought the pizza over and yeah and i mean we were like the kids thought it was the best i mean it, (laughs) it was cool but i'm 
in my mind, I'm just saying, wow, all staff will be replaced by robots, yeah. you know, and then, and then what are we going to do for money? So you're going to get your universal basic income and you're going to get your body pod and it's probably going to look, you know, you're, it's going to be in some sort of self-storage to be some sort of self-storage place. And then you're going to go to your metaverse, Dude, you know, abode and look ready. at your JPEGs. I'm not ready, Joe. <laughs> this was supposed to be this positive, exciting, like build a foundation. And you're like, you can build the foundation, but you're going to live in a pod. You might make your first invest, your, your first home be a metaverse home, is basically <laughs> what I'm saying. You could buy your first home probably for like 50 bucks right now <laughs> in the metaverse. <laughs> This just took such a wild turn. <laughs> Shit. I'm, I'm over here and I'm weird. like, if you're an illustrator, sell your stuff on Etsy. And he's like, or you can make it digital and get ready to furnish your digital. <laughs> anyway. Did I, I miss anything? Like I want to, I wanted to, I don't know. I just wanted to tap back in with you. Really. I feel like we always have positive conversations and I think your outlook and wisdom on personal finance and and financial independence is always one that I, I welcome because you've got more years in the game. And I like to pay attention to these things and hopefully your wisdom and our conversation can inspire others. But I mean, what, like, obviously, like by now, if you haven't, like we've talked a lot about play louder, like go, mm -hmm. go give that a read, see if, see if it's of interest to you and there's a deep dive available there for a listener. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, go to my website, check it out. It's all there for free, but if you want a, a quicker, more distilled version, the kind of starter course, I feel like is the financial independence roadmap. That's one I kind of sold most of, honestly. And, and it's a good, 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 basic life foundation one. Yeah. And then the other ones are about on, you know, starting a business and then also about investing in real estate, you know, so together they're kind of almost like, like a little bit of a life program, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Does um, the investing in real estate one include metaverse real estate yet? Or is that, are you still, you know, I got to do a module on met metaverse. <laughs> I don't know enough about it. Truth is there are people out there buying, you know, investors no, trying no. to buy up metaverse real estate. It's no, crazy. no question. No, a hundred percent. I mean, it's crazy. you got to do a module out there. on how to select your pod that you live in and then how yep. to select your metaverse real estate. Yeah. That's first it'll course, be a body. Right? Get your, get the right model body pod. Make yep. sure you're going to be comfortable in there, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, get a little mini bar in there, something yep. like that. You That's know, that's right. And, and then, choose, choose a city with Google Fiber, right? Now all of a sudden, climate <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. And you just find the yeah. city with the you best internet. You want a solid internet connection because you don't want to be stuck in your body pod and like lose your link to your metaverse house because then you'll just be like, God, this sucks. I love my metaverse house. I will say, uh, maybe this is a positive note, but like for your younger listeners, you know, even even where I'm at now, which I'm I'm happy about, I'm kind of psyched about. You know, when I was 27, I still had about fifty thousand dollars of debt. Like I paid for my own Whoa. school. I Whoa. racked up debt to a grand total of seventy two thousand dollars before it actually turned around. Wow! And the vast majority of my like net worth was saved in my 30s, and specifically between 35 and 43. Like, no way. It take yeah, it takes off. You know, you it it's real slow at the beginning. I mean, it's just like compounding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you put that thousand bucks in there and honestly, you fall asleep like and watching that grow to like fifteen hundred bucks, you know. Mm. The compounding starts to take off, you know, halfway through, you know, yeah. and even for in your income, that's true. For being able to invest in more, that's true. But 
buying that house, like forcing my way into that house. Like I bought the house before I paid off all my debt. I was like, mm. I'm not going to fucking pay off all my credit cards if I can use the money to buy this house. <laughs> uh, that actually helped me get out of debt because the house appreciated. And then I refinanced the debt with, oh, with the home equity yeah. line of credit. And I made my interest tax deductible. Real estate can do that kind of interesting stuff like good financial yeah. wizardry for you mm -hmm. uh so that's why i always recommend to people like make make it your number one priority but yeah. again if if you're super pumped on your passion and want to make a business out of it and you've you've done a good business plan which is just a spreadsheet definitely do that as well that's the i'm what a great way to conclude though that's really that's really positive and affirming because again i try to have the empathy and speaking from myself as well it's like it feels hopeless at times in the 20s and the 30s to feel it like does. you're going to get ahead. So for you to share that and to be like, no, 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 like early, early on, I found Quicken. I started tracking all my expenses. I started tracking all of my income, all of that. But still, it wasn't until the mid 30s that things really shifted. Like that's actually really encouraging to hear. And it's like a very good note on just staying the course and staying patient and determined so that's, I'm so yeah. glad you just shared when, when I was do When I started doing the Quicken, all I was doing was tallying up more and more debt every year. That's all Quicken was telling me, you know? And I yeah. was like, it was very discouraging, but it was also like, fuck. Yeah. I got to figure this out because it's yeah. getting, you know? And, you know, eventually got some breaks and, you know, really focused on getting a better paying job and doing more freelance work and side hustling and all that. And, you know, yeah. But it's not easy. Life's not easy always, but it's fun. It's always yeah. fun. I yep. <clears throat> dude, I love that. Well, dude, thank you. Thank you so much.